The Bruins went 0 for 3 out west, losing all three games of their California road trip in regulation. The trip was capped with a 2-1 loss to the Kings some hours ago in Los Angeles. Tyler Randall, of course, scored the Bruins' only goal. That's six goals on 18 shots on goal. It doesn't get any better than that. Tyler Randall, best player on the Bruins. Bruins now 0-6-0 against Western, uh, or I'm sorry, against California teams on the season. They sit third in the Atlantic behind Florida and Tampa. They've played one more game than both of those teams. Bruins will next be in action Wednesday at Madison Square Garden against the Rangers. Baseball, it's the first day of spring, so you know what those boys are up to. It's spring training, still taking place. They're playing some games down there. They're stretching out. They're getting ready for the big thing. It's all very exciting. Weather, uh, it's probably high 20s right now, going to be like mid-30s over the course of the day, and it'll snow a whole bunch tonight, so... Get those cars inside. Get them in the garage. Sunday Skate starts next. I'm DJ Bean. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Lace them up, because it's time for the Sunday Skate. This is the Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEI. A comprehensive look at the bees from deep inside the organization to the ice and beyond. Brought to you by your Boston area Mercedes-Benz dealers, AT&T, Wise Snacks, and Star Market. Now, let's get it going with ESPN's Joe McDonald, Pete Blackburn, and WEI.com's DJ Bean. Welcome to Sunday Skate. I'm DJ Bean. Matt Loper behind the glass. Joe McDonald, Pete Blackburn in studio as usual. Hello, everybody. Good morning. I didn't realize that today was the first day of spring. Is that true? I think so. That is correct. I think I I booted up Facebook and it said something like, DJ, happy spring. Where you're supposed to get all your important news. That's where I get a lot of information. Facebook tell you that Tyler Randall scored the only Bruins goal last night? It was like... DJ, how come Tyler Randall's the only one scoring? And I was like, that's a good question. We should talk about that tomorrow. So, yeah. Actually, no, it was today because the game ended so late last night. How are you guys feeling? Fantastic. Very tired. Very, yeah. So, uh, Pete has the answer I was kind of fishing for. Uh, game wrapped up, <laughs> what, uh, a little after 1 last night? It was a 10.30 yeah, like, start. Yeah, like around Like 10.40 by the time the puck was dropped, though. So, to whoever calls in. Good on you guys. If you, if you watched the game and if you didn't watch the game, how about this? If you're up this morning and that means you probably didn't watch the game, call in and ask us what happened and we can relay to you what happened, how the game went, whether or not anybody fought. We know the answer to that. I guess we can just give it to you. Adam McQuaid got in a fight last night, so we can discuss that if you'd like. But uh, yeah, so it's a tired morning, but we're going to power through because... When we decided to have the earliest hockey show in town, we didn't really think there could be any potential drawbacks. We thought that we'd get the first crack at all the listeners. we get the first crack at all the callers. When people want to call in, they don't have to wait until 2 to call up Dale or whatever. They're just like, you know what, 7 a.m., let's go. And we, had a, we had a season high or, or a career high in calls last week. Last uh, Definitely a career high from the 7 to 9 slot. Yes. 8 to 10 People will probably, the history books might not be too kind to us, but uh, people will forget that 8 to 10, we'd get like three, four callers an hour, and it would just be like a, you come in, you talk, you get your calls, and you go out. We have to think more with the 7 to 9 thing, which is good because we're good thinkers, we're, we're great minds. We're not real big take guys, but we can, 
We can churn hey, out some. At least two of the three aren't big take guys. That's right, mister. <laughs> They're not signing Brad Marchand over here. What else do you need this week? I'll right. come up with something. Yeah. Uh, do, do something with uh, with with Chara and his age. You know that he's 39 years he's tall He's 39, now? yes. Yeah. 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 So, uh, or how about Tyler Sagan? Tyler Sagan being out for the rest of the season with the well regular season. Anyway. Not enough heart, that guy. I'm mm. telling you. Can't finish the season. See? Yeah. Telling you, a real the, player would finish the rest of the season with half an Achilles. <laughs> but do you know who they're playing in the first? I, I think it was Nesson showed the uh, the matchups if the playoffs were to start today. Uh, they'd play the the uh, Avalanche in the first round. They would play the That's Avalanche. That's going to be a joke. So they, they would, would still win that <laughs> series. So, like, they're not going to. All of their players could have their Achilles torn and they'd probably <laughs> still win that series. Right. Uh, exactly. So. Uh, Bruins 0-3-0 on this trip. I mean, after they lost to the Sharks, I tweeted, first regulation loss since the trade deadline. Two more could very well be on the way. And people give me stuff for being a homer, but the reaction to that was people were like, oh, that's the most negative thing. Why why would you say that and everything? Because they were playing three teams that were better than them, and that's what ended up happening. That's what happens when you play against, as Fluto Shinzauer of the Boston Global always tweet out, JV against Vosity tonight. JV against, and I think that actually that was one of Fluto's tweets uh, yeah, after yeah. After Friday. the first period, yeah. or last night, or, or Friday, 2 nothing. Uh, yeah, varsity. JV or yeah, varsity two, JV zero. Yeah, those, I thought those teams are good. I thought I thought San Jose was the the best opportunity to get two points. Totally, and they blew that. And then you looked. You know, after that happened, you're like, "Oh crap!" Now they got to face two of the best teams in the league back to back nights. Yep, and so that turned out predictably. I thought they played well last night, though. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They can you take any moral victories of? Oh well, they they played well against the Kings, and it was a lot better than the nine to two game. I think that everyone was expecting it to be a lot better than the nine to two game, though. My thing was they needed points either Friday or. Saturday after losing that Sharks game, which, as you said, Pete, that was the most winnable of the three. They were in position to win it uh, after or at least get points out of it after losing that game, given how uh, the schedule is and given that the Panthers and Lightning both are going to have games in hand on the Bruins for a while. I mean, the Lightning, fortunately, just keep sucking and keep losing for whatever reason. They lost to the Leafs. Um Given that, you think, all right, if you're serious about trying to win the division, which I think this season is actually very important. Normally, it doesn't really matter where you fall as long as you get in. I think this season, for this Bruins team, getting in with the first seed is extremely important because it allows you to potentially play some some far lesser teams in a pretty weak conference. So if they want to make a run, I think they got to get that first seed. And right now... They're what? They're sitting three points behind the Panthers, and the Panthers still have a game in hand. So they might be able to kiss that goodbye with nine games remaining. So but they've that, been terrible at home this year. So if they do get the, if they do get home ice in the first right. round, they've been terrible at home. Right now, the wild card teams would be the Islanders and the Red Wings. Although, really. Philadelphia is really knocking on Detroit's door because they still have three games in hand, or I'm sorry, two games in hand on Detroit, and they're only three points back of them. So I look at those teams, and I mean, I, I don't want to face the the Islanders in the first round, but if I could face 
Philadelphia or Detroit in the first round and then maybe play Florida in the second round, then I think that's your easiest road to potentially the Eastern Conference Finals. And then we've discussed this in the past. If you can play two series, that gives some team time to potentially knock out Washington if that's even possible, and then maybe you're in business. So they needed points, long story short. They need to get at least one or two points out of this back-to-back on Friday and Saturday. And despite them playing well against the Kings, I think that they should be pretty discouraged that they weren't able to come away with anything. Well, realistically, though, look at those teams that they played. I mean, oh, yeah, they were better. Like, they should have lost the game. The Ducks are the, have been the best team in the NHL since mid-December. Yes. And they, the Ducks, I'm talking about, they had their turnaround, or they began their turnaround right when they were in Boston. Yes. And I remember watching that game here and thinking, wow, this is a really good team. And I covered them last year a little bit, so I know that, you know, seeing them up close and personal, how good they are. But since December, they have been the best team in the NHL. So, you know what? You call up against that team right now, and you're not expecting to win. You shouldn't expect to win because they're that good. Uh, The Kings, they're not too far behind. So you're playing three of the best teams in the Western Conference, and you come away with a goose egg, okay? But realistically, going into that trip, did you think that they were going to come away with a winning road trip? I thought they were going to maybe win the first game, and if you could come away with anything after, I mean, we— Talking about it with when they hosted the Blackhawks and then hosted the Capitals, even if you're an okay team, you get up for those games, and you know may, anything can happen. And to the Bruins' credit, I mean they didn't really get up for the the uh, the Anaheim game, but to the Bruins' credit, they they got up for the Kings game and rough first period, but the second and third periods were dominated by the Bruins. And you have to know though when you're going up. At, against a team that's that superior, that much stronger than you, Quick played really well last night, that even if you turn in the better performance, there's a good chance you're still going to lose. And as, as much as they were outperformed in the, in the first two games, you can argue that, that last night's game was the most discouraging because you know you knew that you were heading into that game needing at least a point, right. and you played better than the Kings for two periods, and had enough opportunities on the power play and whatnot that they they probably should have won that game or at least got a point out of it, and then they didn't. So uh, I think at least one point on the trip would have been a moral victory, but coming home with nothing. And they came out they came out pretty strong too. Uh, I mean, I know that overall the first period you can you can question, but they came off the opening drop. They were flying. You know, they had some pressure early. Quick made some some good saves, and then LA just completely turning around on them. Uh, but you're right, Pete. I mean, it's if there's if there was a game, given the situation, you're down two games on the road, you'd think that they would come away with something. But, I mean, those are three really good teams. You know, yeah. that, I mean, you mentioned the power play, uh, Pete. You know last night was the second game in their last seven games that they've had more power plays than their opponent. Yeah, yeah. That never, ever happens to them. And, I mean, 0 for 4 in the power play. Claude loves that. Yes, yes. Claude thinks that it's all very fair the way that uh, the the way that they, uh, the penalties have been called for and against the Bruins. But, uh, all right, so Bruins coming up. They've got the Rangers. They've got the Panthers. That Thursday game against the Panthers, and that'll be the game that they honor Claude Julien for, uh, for passing Art Ross. That, for me, is one that 
everyone should have circled this week because if the Bruins can't win that game, I mean, like I said, the Lightning are kind of fledgling here, so maybe it can turn into somehow a, a two-team race for the division if the Lightning keep limping. Then again, if the Bruins keep limping the way they are, then maybe it's just the Lightning and the Panthers. But if the Lightning keep struggling the, the way they have been of late, then this Thursday game could decide a hell of a lot because there's still there's 10 games left for Florida, nine games left for the Bruins. Bruins are three points back. And for me, if, if they get that second or third seed, end up playing Tampa in the first round, even if the Lightning kind of struggle on their way to the finish line this season. I still think that's a bad matchup for them. So I think that this week, after not being able to get any points out of this trip, this Thursday game is going to be massive. You think that it's a bad matchup for the Lightning or for the Bruins? For the Bruins. I think the Bruins can beat them, beat Tampa in the first round. I think that it's a potentially winnable series, but I would definitely, like, if I'm going down the list and giving the check marks, I would overall give it to the to the uh, Lightning. You I look- mean, you look at the Lightning, and you I mean, obviously, they're a very talented team. Yeah. You, know, you need Bishop going. But in the first round, and we've seen this in the past, that you have a team that reaches a finals or wins it, and they, they struggle. I'm not going to say what it's called because I, I can't stand when people use it, even though I have plenty of times in the past. But, you say they flip the switch? Well, no, well, that too, flip the switch, that too. And I was going to say the Stanley Cup hangover thing. Oh, okay. But they've gone through this season. They've struggled. They You know, the ebbs and flows, and they're going to get into the playoffs – and they're probably going to struggle a little bit in the first round. We've seen that. Look at last year. You know, I mean, the Blackhawks in the you know the, the first round, they weren't very good, even though they they had a strong right. they had a strong finish to the regular season when they got That's into their the, goalie was a bozo, <laughs> <laughs> Ringo Starr, right? Right, exactly. You say. But I mean, the Bruins absolutely because they've had success against them in the past. They know that they can beat them, and I think if the Bruins can finish here on a on a strong note. And Tampa continues to, you know, play not so good hockey. Middling, yeah. Yeah, there you go. I mean, and then, yeah, it's it's absolutely a possibility. And, and you know that Tampa, in Game 82 last year when we were down there, Steven Stamkos, the day before that game, Game 82, said, we want to beat these guys. We don't right, want, want them. We, the we, we want yeah. them out. Because if there's one team that we're not afraid of, but we're worried about facing, it's the Boston Bruins. And I don't think that changes – Within one calendar year, even though there have been plenty of changes on the Bruins from, you know, management, you know, the roster, everything. I don't think that changes the fact that Tampa does not want to face the Bruins in a first round series. The the East is so close this year, not only in in points and standings, but in talent wise or in team ability. Yeah. I think the only team that really should scare really scare the Bruins is the Capitals. Right. But but they're with, scaring everybody. Yeah, but with but with ten games left, you wanna you wanna capitalize on as many points as you can no get. Question. Uh and you know, it's all like you said, it's all about matchups in the playoffs and whether you can get yourself a favorable matchup in these last ten games, whether it's through uh the team you play or more games at home. I mean, I know that they've sucked at home this year, but uh you want to be at home, especially with the playoff atmosphere. That's a that's a big advantage. So uh, I think that you know they got to. It's on them to to secure the best matchup and and most favorable matchup as they can. You mentioned uh, the Bruins going to honor Claude for uh, passing Art Ross on the all time coaching you know, list. Yes, in the history. Jack Adams Award this season. What do you think? Uh, 
I have to think about it. Uh, off the top of my head, I would say around December, I thought that, I think we discussed this around December, that he should be in the discussion. I think that he's probably still in the discussion, but uh, I would look I would look down in Florida. I would still look even in Washington with the, the season that they've had. I think that there's a uh, – there's a tendency, and it's kind of across all sports, where voters don't want to give the coach of the year, manager of the year, whatever, to the person who coaches the best team, which I think is a silly thing. They they want to pick some sort of surprise. And Claude Julien, to a degree, has surprised with the job that he's done. I mean, I think I still think like they're a they're a middle of the pack team, and that's I didn't expect them to be much worse than that. I do think that they would be a lot worse if Claude Julien weren't there, but I don't think he's gone so, so, so above and beyond that he runs away with it for me. That's my kind of, uh, that's my sitting on both sides of the fence answer to that. Even if you want to argue against the Capitals being, you know, the best team and that the the best coach award shouldn't go to the best team, they've had so many come from behind victories this year that it's insane. So that's a, I think that's a big big uh, factor that goes into it. And with Washington, you look at Barry Trotz, and, you know, he, the, the Capitals, especially Alex Ovechkin, he's bought into the system mm-hmm. and bought into the philosophy. And so you can make that argument, well, you know, this roster was basically here before Trotz, and, and look what they're doing now with him as, as the head coach. So I, I don't, it doesn't bother me that you can't say, well, the best team, you know, of course the, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, the, the best coach in the, in the NFL. Well, right. Well, yeah. I mean, well, he, he has should... the best team. Well, still. I mean, there's a reason for right, that. Right. Then he should win it every year. Yeah. Right. Um, one question that I want to pose to you guys, and I want to pose it to the callers and listeners throughout the show, is does where the Bruins stand right now? Because so right now they're third in the Atlantic. They're closer to being a wild card team than they are to being a division leader. Does their current standing, which is around where they were at the trade deadline, does that change back maybe your thoughts on some of their deadline moves? The fact that they went out and got those guys and they went on this run and they were technically in first place even though not close. really because they'd played more games. Uh, they were technically in first place but still not projected to finish in first place. Everybody was kind of jazzed on that because – yeah, they'd gone on this run. They were playing so much better. So you say, okay, yeah, now it's worth it to to go out and trade for these guys and block the kids from playing, block guys like Vetrano from playing and all those things. Do those maybe feelings of resentment, being upset with the organization's moves at the deadline, do those creep back up? Or do you still think that they can maybe make this run and win the, the division and then maybe everything can can look great because for me when they made those moves I mean I didn't like them at the time I, I like the players they got but I just thought that they were better off getting the young kids experience and getting the kids sometime in the playoffs even if it's just one round but so yeah that's that's what I post to you well when they make these deals of course people are going to look at the end result they're going to say well you know uh Stepniak came out of the gate, and he was great with with Marchand and, and Bergeron. And then what happened down the stretch, you know, or you know, they shouldn't have made this deal, that deal. Thing is, Don Sweeney wasn't going to go nuts, excluding Louis Erickson. Right. Okay. They they wanted depth on the blue line. They got it. 
They wanted depth up front. They got it. So given everything that we've talked about this entire season, from a purely hockey standpoint, I have no problem, no matter what the end result is, I have no problem with the deals. They did exactly what they wanted to do, you know, again, excluding Louis Erickson. And they go, they're going to get in the playoffs. You, at this right. point, they should get into the playoffs. Yes. Okay? And there is a strong possibility, in my mind, that they could win a round or two. And if they do, everybody will look back and say, well, what a what a what great vision by Don Sweeney at, at the trade deadline to, to do what he did. And most people that you talk to, uh, whether it's scouts, you know, other GMs, assistant GMs, you know, a lot of them like the deals that, that Don made because he added, like I said, blue line depth, upfront depth, and it worked out of the gate. And that's what you want a lot of times right out, out of the gate from a trade deadline is you want that team to get that spark, and the Bruins did. Then they ran into three really good teams. So let's see how they are for what? They got, what, nine games left? How many games they got? Yes, nine yeah, games left. nine games left. So we'll see in two weeks when we're sitting here on a Sunday morning, then we'll have this discussion again. Yeah, and it wasn't only depth. It was veteran depth, and that helps in the playoffs. And uh, I think that, you know, the way they looked at it was probably the same way that I was talking about earlier. The, the, the East is so close, and any advantage that you can get uh, in going out and getting some guys who who are more experienced and, and may fit better and help this team down the stretch, uh, then it's worth the price that they paid, which was not a whole lot. So... Uh, right, I really essentially a just a, a second round pick. Yeah, I mean, Anthony that's the Camaro only thing of value. Isn't a prospect. Uh, third round pick, as we know in Boston, third round picks you can just throw those things around. right in the trash. <laughs> right, <laughs> just deposit those things right in the garbage. Go get Zach Ronaldo. Uh, but yeah, so that that's that's a, a question that I'd like to to keep maybe discussing throughout today's show because. I feel like a lot of the anger with the Bruins' moves, with holding on to Erickson, with spending draft picks on guys, with bringing in people to take the spots of guy or prevent guys like Colin Miller and Frank Vetrano from playing here down the stretch. I mean, people were pretty upset about that, and they thought it was silly that they went out and got these veteran guys. But within a couple days, it looked like a pretty smart uh, path for the Bruins to take. So I'm wondering if people have maybe changed course with their line of thinking back to maybe being skeptical of those moves. Again, for me, I didn't totally love them at the time. I I understood what they were doing, but I just thought it was the wrong path to take. I would have liked them at the time. If they change their opinion over the past three games, though, that's that's stupid. Small sample size. It's it's that and because – they played the West. Good teams in the West, which we've been saying since the beginning, are going to be tough to beat. Right, but then if they change their opinion after playing what the after playing those three games against Calgary and um, Chicago and uh, Washington, Washington, then you could say that's just as knee jerk, even though those are two pretty good teams. Yeah, there. but again, we talked about this last week. They got the Blackhawks. Yes, they played well that game, but they got the Blackhawks on back to back nights. Mm-hmm. They got. Back-to-back backup goalies. Yeah. So, and then you go out west and you get their best. One of the backup goalies, though, had the game of his life. Yes. Uh, Grubauer. Yeah. Without a doubt, he was out of his mind. Yes. But the Bruins did did play well in those those two games. But, Pete, you know, I agree. I mean, it's you can't all of a sudden say, oh, yeah, it was was great. Everything they did at the deadline worked out well. And then all of a sudden they lose three on the west coast. And you're like, ah, they don't know what they're doing. 
They played three really good teams. Teams that, and realistically, they shouldn't compare to. But and Joe's favorite saying, all you got to do is get in. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> all you so. got to do is get in. That is one that I like. Yeah. Just get in, baby. Absolutely. All right. So that's on the table. Uh and also the, the, the thing of, of matchups and where the Bruins finish. Are you worried if the Bruins don't make this run to the top of the Atlantic Division? And if they do have to face a team like Tampa in the first round, are you concerned that they can't, uh, that they can't make that sort of run that maybe they're hoping uh, to make? And we're also going to get into some Kevin Spacey talk. I can't believe we didn't do any Kevin Spacey talk in this first block here. We also see the calls lined up. You can jump onto weei.com. Jump into the uh, the live chat. You can go in there. You can say, you can talk to Pete. You can talk to DJ. You can talk to Joey Mack. Those are our names. All you got to do is address us with one of our names, and we'll know exactly who you're talking to, and, and we'll answer your question in there. So The live chat is on fire today, by the way. Is it? If I could get there's, it. There's been one comment in there, and it's somebody telling me to go back to bed. <laughs> so <laughs> That would be on fire. That's, Amazing. It's about so, what I've expected. It's it's hopping. People are people are really going crazy. A lot of buzz in the live chat right now. So you can head over there, weei.com, or you can just keep listening. Call in 617-779-7937. We see the calls are starting to line up. We'll start getting to those guys next. And also, Mark Diver from the Province Journal will join us in the second hour. We'll talk about Frank Vetrano and some of those guys down in Providence. It's Sunday Skate on WEI. You know, it was just all all about getting getting the legs going, four checking and hitting hitting them, and being on them quick, and playing a playing a quick game, and that that worked for us. Uh, we just we just couldn't score uh, enough goals to win, but uh, it, was, it was a likable effort. It's not always the outcome; it's the way we play. We, we look at and and especially today. I mean, after that first 22 minutes, probably where they they had most of their chances, we picked it up after and, and kind of took the game to them. Bruins goalie Tuga Rask. He started two of the three games on the Bruins California road trip. The Bruins lost them all, but we'll not put this on Rask. Uh, both of the goals last night, both point shots, one redirected. The second one, he definitely could not have seen. There were about 6,000 bodies in front of him. At more times than not this season, have you noticed, and maybe this is just me, but more times this season than any other time in Tuca's career in Boston have I seen him give the ah uh, yeah like shake his head after a goal's going in and then looked right at a defenseman just like really you well, gonna move the, that guy out of the way or you gonna get that puck out of the way well even his post game comments I mean he's he's never been too too fired up over last the year years last year was, games. was worse in terms of post game comments I think well that's the but he just he doesn't do it in like a like scathing kind of way. It's more just kind of shrugging it off of like, look, we all know I'm not the problem, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah, true. I was just going to say that. If you really listen to his comments, he's really not shy about putting it on the defense. Right. Especially like, in the playoffs. In the playoffs, that's when he he really gets good. Like, yeah. He'll be like, yeah, it wasn't me. A lot of times, uh, I mean, I've noticed you try to do it. I've definitely done it. Uh, you not necessarily trying to bait him, but ask a question to just like kind of give him the opportunity to be to say like, "Yeah, this isn't me, guys." Like just just to clarify, this is not this is not a Tuca problem. I thought for sure after the Winter Classic when we were standing outside yes. the room and we heard just things being thrown and broken and everything else, I'm like, "Ooh, this is going to be a good Tuca right. Rask day." 
And we get in there, he's like, oh, yeah, no, we, don't, we just need to play better. Yeah. And it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. I thought that was going to be the day where he was just going to explode. But that, that's not his MO. One of these the days. All right. Uh, we said we'd get to the calls, and we see them lining up here. You can call in 617-779-7937, and we'll have you on. We'll have a nice little conversation with you. Let's start with John in Boston. Hey, John. Hey, good morning. Good morning, morning John. First, first time, first time. Thanks. Awesome. That was amazing. So here's what happened. That guy just called in, said first time, first time, meaning he was like first time listening to the show, and then he hung up on us. Amazing. <laughs> so Thanks, John. Starting today. We got a new a open. Have you right? Have you experienced that in, in your in your vast radio career, Matt Loper? No. Matt's shaking his head. So I'm a big fan of John. You <laughs> call back anytime. I I like wow. that. Okay, so uh, I mean, when it doesn't work out with someone new, I think you got to go back to what to to what works. And for us, I think that's Fred in New Hampshire. Fred, don't let us down. Morning, Pete, Joey, J- DJ. Hi, Fred. Hey, your first time calling you in the spring of 2016. <laughs> hey, there you go, Fred. There you go, Fred. All right. Hey, you get the uh, this ad for a tile app, right? Have you heard about it? Yes, I actually I actually uh, was at a house this weekend and I saw the remote had something on it and I was like, "What's this?" Guess what it was, Fred? A tile app. It was a tile app. Yeah. Hey, uh, it helps you find stuff, correct? Yes. Yeah. You think it would work with my wife? Because uh, these last three games, uh, I haven't been able to find her after the games because she doesn't want to be around me. <laughs> um. Thank God. I mean, it's Holy Week. Thank God for Adam McQuaid, huh? I mean, he sees injustice and goes over and takes care of it. That man needs the bee crest uh, imprint. I bet he takes off his the sweater and it's it's on his chest. He's suggesting that he has an elaborate tattoo on his chest, which maybe. He has one uh, tattoo that says Stanley Cup champion on, on the side. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that, that McQuaid might be a, a one tattoo guy. But, yes, he's a... Uh, he he's likes to brewer. fight. He's not a. He's not a afraid to bop someone right in the kisser. And when he sees th- things that uh, don't look right, and uh, I mean, he takes care of it. And uh, I'm, I'm all for that. But uh, this trip, what happened to Erickson and Marchant? Where'd they go? Eric, yes. Yeah, so oh. Erickson oh. didn't score uh, last night. So very bad game for for Erickson. That, Marshawn too. Marshawn. I'm kidding. That's like the. I'm. I'm. That I need to, to uh, uh, qualify that with that it's sarcasm because people say that Erickson is invisible whenever he doesn't score a goal, which I think is a very weird uh, standard to set. The only guy who wasn't invisible last night, Tyler Randall. Obviously. Right. Yeah. Right. Everybody else was totally invisible. Patrice Bergeron, horrible. Look, we went into this three-game stretch, and the best. The cream of the crop has to come out. And Marshawn wants a big contract. Marshawn wants, uh, they're talking five, six, seven million dollars for Marshawn. No, they're not talking five million dollars for Marshawn. They're, t- they're talking seven plus. But to yeah. Fred's point. So you go on a three game stretch and you need somebody. I don't pay him seven plus if, if he doesn't come through, okay? That's what it bothers me that, that uh, these people, you know, they're playing a game for a living. And he's had a great year, a very good year. But they needed him in the stretch, and he didn't come through. So I don't give him $7 million for that. His I'm line sorry. was, like, the only 
good line for the entire game last night. He's close to 40 goals this year. Right. He like, yeah. And even though and, he, he didn't score, he played well. You don't disappear for three games. What did he do in the three games? Do you have any points? Uh, well, his, well his, I don't his, think he did on Friday because no one on the team had any points. Well, here's the thing with that. Friend, didn't not, last night because there was only one goal scored. And plus the fact that they're playing three really good teams that have a lot of depth that know that they can zero in on the Bruins' best line and just shut them down, and that's exactly what happened. Um, uh, if you want to win a Stanley Cup, you're going to play a lot of good teams. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, Anyways, if you, play, if you want a Stanley Cup, you've got to get better players around Brad Marchand. Um, the power play. Let's do it, Fred. How, how, power how play. Many, how many chances last night? Four. Many, and with it, what happened? They didn't score with, on with them. It, it, I mean, this is, you know, you can say, okay, they're playing the best in the West and go on and on and on. That's loser talk. I'm sorry. It's loser talk. Um, Petrano needs to be up here. You guys have a good a good morning. A uh, happy Holy Week. Thank you, Fred. Happy Thanks. Holy Week Same to you, you as Fred. well. Um, a little cut off there. Yeah, sorry about that, Fred. Um, we'll talk about the Vetrano thing with. Dimmer I'm worried about sure. Fred though. He doesn't know where his wife is. That was great. I, I I'm a huge fan of not uh, of losing your wife. No, I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a <laughs> huge, I'm a huge fan when you can't find your wife. I'm a huge fan <laughs> of like wife slash ex wife humor. I've always found that. Funny. You've had a couple of ex wives, right? right? Like I I love to make ex wives. Jokes yeah. so so much so that uh, one I think you were there one night on the road so, like I was I was making a bunch of tell that to my ex wife <laughs> jokes or whatever and some another writer from another town had to be like hey, DJ that's not a funny thing to joke about <laughs> don't joke about divorce and I was like I'm sorry I just said these are hilarious things that I'm I'm saying to, sorry I don't even have a girlfriend right I, I I don't think I did at the time. But big, big fan of ex-wife humor. <laughs> big fan of ex-wife humor. Um, so Fred, aside from not being able to find his wife with the tile app, I think that was product placement, uh, is all up in arms. I mean, I would say he should be more up in arms about the offense that they didn't, that they scored one goal over the last two games. I, I won't put it on Brad Marchand because they actually, that, Bergeron line actually did play well last night. It it certainly wasn't the problem. But if you are getting four chances on the power play, you need to find the back of the net. Erickson had a uh, shorthanded breakaway, didn't score on. Erickson on the power play, actually, uh, at the end of the second period, couldn't wrap it past Jonathan Quick. So they were getting chances, but not capitalizing, and that ends up being the, the story of the game in a, a one-goal game. You tweeted, so speaking of, of Bergeron's line, you tweeted something last night that I responded to, but then I never got to... Was it, I hate at ESPN Joey Mac? Did you really? I didn't no. see that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't see that. No, when you had mentioned about uh, best player, uh, what was the tweet? Um I don't even know. And I responded, wait, it had to My be Bergeron. Aren't even funny anymore. I'm like, it had to be Bergeron. Oh, yeah. My, I, let me see. So who are you talking about? I tweeted, uh, let's see. I tweeted, working on a feature about a player whom an NHL legend calls, quote, unquote, the perfect person, and it isn't Bergeron. Right. Love writing controversial stuff. <laughs> and that did ruffle some feathers. I got an immediate, it's wrong, from John Feidelberg, uh, I got a 
Is it Bergeron from Joe McDonald? I got Hope You Have a Good Lawyer from Dan Kagan. <laughs> so, yeah, the the player, the story's coming, should be tomorrow. It's Lee Stempniak. So I'm writing a feature about Lee Stempniak. And a uh, an NHL legend says that he's the perfect person. So you can stay tuned for that. It's going to be a very fun, exciting read. It's thousands of words long. Come on, who's the who's the NHL legend? Uh, I don't like. Are are we supposed to like say like give divulge details of stories you before can tease I, it? Yeah. It's not like I'm gonna run out of here and call that person and be like, "Hey, hurry up, give me the story." And... I think that's the tease, though, is that it's just an NHL legend and he's nameless right now. Yeah, is it a local NHL legend? Let me see. <laughs> I, if I, I'm, I'm thinking, if I answer the question, does that give it away to another? Did he play for the Bruins? He did not play for the Bruins. All right. He's a local you. NHL legend, though. Okay. So okay. That's... Uh, somebody on the text line says Marshand will get six and a half tops. Uh, not true. It, I mean, it depends on what happens with the cap. If the cap stays completely still, it wouldn't surprise me if Marshand says, all right, I don't want to make any more money than Patrice Bergeron. I, I, I'll, I, like, take the same contract he has or whatever. Not happening. Which would be a huge, huge uh, service he'd be doing to the Bruins because, as we've discussed, Patrice Bergeron should not be the benchmark contract for the Bruins because Patrice Bergeron is so underpaid that if even if a player like Martian were to get his contract, $6.875 million a year, that's – a that's a that's a, a a bargain for the Bruins. The PA wouldn't allow it. The PA would not allow Brad Marchand to take a hometown discount. Like they'd happen. be they'd be pissed about because it because it totally would would screw up the salary structure. Right. They want they want him making like what Bobby Ryan makes at least, which is seven point two five million dollars a year. And guess who's better than Bobby Ryan? Brad Marchand. So. Yeah, he's going to be yeah, see I mean in in all likelihood he'll get in excess of 7 million. Do you think a it year. gets done this summer though? Do you think they get an extension because Shirelli's MO was always a year out yes, offseason let, let's get this guy signed. Now we really don't know where where if Sweeney, Sweeney and way, yeah. Neely think that way. Yeah. Are they going to what can we learn from the Erickson situation that may impact Marshan? Do you think Marshan gets an extension this year because you guys know where I stand on this? But do you think if an extension gets done, does it get done this summer, or do they wait until the contract is up? It's also a tougher call because he's coming off a career year. Right. Do you want to say, okay, let's see if he can come back to earth a little bit, and then maybe that'll drive his price down? But I think that once, if he scores 40, once you have a 40-goal season under your belt, and he'll be, what, 28, 29, something like that, I mean, you're established enough that you're going to get that huge contract either way. Now, if they say, all right, we'll pump the brakes, see if he can, his price can maybe come down a little bit, and then he goes out and scores 35 goals again or even scores 30 goals again, which I think that I, I think every season Brad Martian should be penciled in for 30 goals, even though it didn't happen until this year. He'd hit 29. If they had uh, been using or him correctly. If, I mean, if they have been playing a lot on the power play, yeah. and, I mean, he's never been a particularly good power play player, but – if he was on there enough, those extra goals would have come. So, yeah, uh, if you try to wait it out with him, 
even if he just scores 30 goals next season, then you're like, all right, the guy's coming off back-to-back 30-goal seasons, one of which was a 35-plus, maybe 40-goal season. That's going to be $7 million easy. So I try to get it done with him this summer and see if he's willing to take maybe a little less than than seven. But people, I mean, you you can't, the contracts aren't given out based on, all right, who makes the most on the team and how much should the other players in the team make rel, uh, relative to it? Because if that's the way things were, David Krejci wouldn't be making more than Patrice Bergeron right now, and he is. And David Krejci makes, what, $7.25 million a year? That's a fair contract for David Krejci. I know it sounds crazy because people are used to the smaller cap a, a thousand years ago and they think, all right, if, if you're a really good player, you make $4 million. And if you're a great player, you make like $6 million. No, if if you're a, if you're very good, you make $6 million. If you're great pushing elite, then you're making between 7 and $10 million. I still think, and it just wasn't a hot take from weeks ago, I still think that Marshan's going to wait it out, see what kind of season he has next year, see what the market, see what the market value is for him, and it's going to be way up there. And it's going to be a higher number than the Bruins would be willing to pay. And I still believe it that he is he won't be here. I think he is going to wait it out next year. And then he's going to go to free agency. And somebody else is going to sign him. And he's going to go elsewhere. I really believe that's going to happen. How much do you think he's going to get elsewhere? He, he can absolutely get $7 million plus elsewhere. I don't think the Bruins would give him $7 plus million. Uh, Just my opinion. Texter says, Marshan will get seven plus from Boston, DJ. I believe you said something equally stupid when it came to Hamilton's contract. Wake up. He gets 6.5 tops. Uh, the equally stupid thing I said, you Bose, that's short for Bozo, was that if he was going to get an eight-year contract, it was going to cost $7 million a year, which was correct. So suck on that. Think about that for the next few minutes. <laughs> Commercial break time. So, the guy who texted in about the whole Hamilton contract situation as it relates to the Marshan thing has texted back and he says, Deej, right you are, my fault. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good because we're about love on this show. So First time, first time. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> and that was it. And that was it. <laughs> uh, that was... Was that guy's name Joe? John? John. John. John in Boston. I like the cut of his jib. It's probably Francis. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been Francis calling. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. Uh, I wanted to get to this before we hit the break, but then I saw that text from the caller who has since, or from the texter who has since texted in to apologize and, and fallen his sword a bit. And again, I, I appreciate that. Um, what do you guys think of the possibility of Milan Lucic? Because the Kings would have a very tough time fitting him into their cap structure. If Lucic gets to free agency this offseason, which all indications are that'll happen, of him signing with the Edmonton Oilers. I think it's a very good possibility. As likely as anywhere else feels like, and I don't think everybody keeps saying, "Oh, he's going to sign with the the Canucks. He's going to go home." I don't think that's going to happen. Here's here's what I think. I think 
Peter Shirelli has said, and this has nothing to do with, not completely anyway, with the relationship with the Bruins between those two guys. Peter Shirelli has said that he needs to make changes at Edmonton. Yes. He's going to make those changes this offseason. <clears throat> what about trading Taylor Hall? I would not trade Taylor Hall. If I okay. like, that, just, that's the I'm guy. Just throwing he, it, you, you asked, so I'm throwing yeah. it out there. Trade Taylor Hall. Sign Milan Lucic because the Kings, they're going to have to get really creative if they're able to sign him to, an, to a contract extension or a, not a contract, but to a new contract. And I don't think that's going to happen in L.A. So why not reunite Luch with Shirelli, make some changes in Edmonton, and then maybe after next season they figure out a way to sign Brad Marchand? Pete, that'd Pete? be something. Uh, I I don't think that he's going to go to Vancouver either. I, it's a disaster there. So um, right, kind of like Stamkos with the Leafs. Like, why would you want to go there? Yeah, I guess like if you really value going home and and being the guy who leads them to uh, a Stanley Cup. I mean, I I don't think. Thing is, I don't think Lucic is that kind of player. He's not going to go somewhere and be the guy to lead the team. He's going to be a very valuable piece to a Stanley Cup contender, but he's not going to be the guy. I think Stamkos could be the guy, the leader. Um, but, uh, I mean, I think the the, the option of, of Edmonton is it would be a good fit. I think so. Um, but I, I agree I wouldn't trade Taylor Hall to make room for Milan Lucic. And you know Chiarelli would sign him in a second. Yeah, but, I mean, what, what, what do you think Lucic ends up commanding? Something like... Do you think he he stays around where he is cap it wise, yeah. like six million dollars? I would a year? say he's he's definitely he remains in the six million dollar range. Yeah, um, I don't think he gets to seven million at all. Um, but he's so what is he at now? He's at what six? He's uh, at six. He is a third year of a three year eighteen million dollar right. contract. So you know what? He's a guy that he, I think he stays. I think he stays in the in the six range. I, I don't think he can. Um, well, I mean, he's having a good. He's having a really good. I think good he'll year. stay around there. I think he's one of those guys that even if he's not worth six production wise, right. I think that there are a lot of teams in the league that value the unique kind of player that he is and what he brings to the table, you know, physically and emotionally. And I think that that he'll that'll get him up to six if if the talent or the the numbers itself. So go. here's the reason and I the Kings say that. love him. So yeah. here's the reason I say that. So Lucic makes six million dollars a year. You know who makes $6 million a year? Taylor Hall does, but also the Nuge. And Leon Dreisaitl has been a revelation for them this year. The Oilers probably feel that they've got their top two centers of the future. There's a kid, Connor McDavid. Pretty have good. a hoid of them. He's their number one center, and Dreisaitl will be their number two center going forward. And you've got kind of a an embarrassment of riches as far as good young centers go. So move the Nuge. Get a uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Get a good young defenseman. I mean, hell, see if you could do a, a trade based around Nugent Hopkins and, and Truba and Winnipeg or something. Or Minnesota. Yeah, or Minnesota. Get uh, get one of those guys, or uh, whether it's it's Brodeen or, or Dumba, or I don't know if. I mean, you'd you'd. Maybe want more back if you're going to try to do a Shattenkirk type deal. But one of these defensemen that becomes available this offseason, move Ryan Nugent Hopkins in a deal for him. Maybe you'd even get picks back and then devote that money that you're saving 
in addition to signing that defenseman to going out and signing Milan Lucic because the the Oilers, I should say, would have the cap space to do it. And then you're looking at, all right, Milan Lucic can be Connor McDavid's left wing unless they want Hall there. And then you got Lucic as the other one. So you've either got Lucic with Hall or, or uh, I'm sorry, Lucic with McDavid or Hall with McDavid. And then you've got the other guy playing with Leon Dreisaitl. So that's pretty good. And you've also upgraded your defense. And Darnell Nurse is a year older and then maybe you can feel that in the second year of this kind of Shirelli regime that they can feel that they're sort of making uh, some Rise. forward progress. So that's what that's what I do if I'm if I'm the Oilers. I I become that team that's willing to to go there price wise with Milan. Lucic. And I think it ha- and I think that's a very good possibility that it happens. I mean, Lucic has said that you know he loves it in L A. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, that's a pretty pretty impressive team, you know, and a team that is still consider a Stanley Cup contender, and he's that guy, like Pete had mentioned earlier, when, when you acquire a player like him, you you want that veteran presence, that experience, and obviously he brings that, and he adds a lot to that room, and he adds a lot to that team, but they just don't have the space, again, unless they decide to get really creative somehow and move some pieces around, then he's going elsewhere, and I can absolutely see Peter Shirelli signing him in Edmonton. All right, uh, the that texter texted back in. No, a different texter texted in. Said Bobby Orr is sixty-eight today, so we got to give him a shout out. Uh, happy birthday! He's Bobby. one year away from the nicest birthday uh, possible. So happy birthday to to Bobby Orr, sixty-eight years old. We're gonna come back with our two of Sunday skate. Mark Diver will join us, and we'll about talk time. about some of those Providence guys.